Austin Stone Church family, it is so amazing uh, to get to be in your space uh, with you today. You know, I want you to know that um, although we right now, we're, we're in for the city center, um, almost downtown Austin. And in this room, there's about 30 of us or so. Aaron's behind this camera. There's about five other camera operators around here. There's about 30 people in this room right now. And I just, I want you to know that like we long for you to be in the same room together. We long for that. Like I'm just standing in the corner over there singing at the top of my lungs and I can't really hear anybody else singing because we're all spread out all over this room. And I'm just thinking about you guys. Like I'm thinking about my church family that I just miss being with. And I want you to know that I speak for all of us that are standing or sitting in this room tonight on a Wednesday night for the city center. Uh, It is such a privilege to serve you in this way. It's such a privilege that you would turn your computer on or you would open up an app on a phone or a device and you would invite us in to serve you and point you to Jesus today. We love you. We miss you. Um, I just, the Holy Spirit is moving in this room. I hope that he's moving and I trust that he is wherever you're at. And so I just love to pray over you one more time because I think the word of God is powerful and it's moving and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and I believe it wants to speak. I believe God wants to speak to you today. So wherever you're at, would you just receive this prayer, another prayer prayed over you, begging the Holy Spirit just to do a work in you like he's doing in all of us here tonight. God, would you please break through all the boundaries of technology, break through the boundaries of us not being in the same room together? Would you break through the boundaries of awkwardness, of singing in a living room or singing by ourselves? Would you break through all of the awkward boundaries and be near to us like you have always been near to human beings from the beginning? It's who you are. It's how you move. It's how you operate. It's how much you deeply love your people. So we're trusting right now. I'm asking and trusting that you'd speak to us. Show us Jesus. Show us how good he is, how kind he is, how near he is. It's in your name that I pray, amen. Amen. Well, we're gonna just jump in here and we're in the book of Matthew right now as a church. And I I wonder if you've ever, like I have, uh, thought about how weird Jesus's teachings and his sayings were at times. Like we've been in the, math, in the book of Matthew for a while now, and even if you've just glanced at the gospels, you have to admit sometimes the things that come out of Jesus's mouth just sound really weird. His disciples would ask him questions all the time, like really good, big questions that I find myself asking like, hey, Jesus, what is faith? And instead of giving a simple or a short answer, Jesus would take a mustard seed and hold it between his fingers. And he said, I have your answer. Your answer is faith is kind of like this mustard seed, right? There's a time where the disciples ask him another big question. They say, Jesus, all right, what exactly is the kingdom of God? And in total Jesus fashion, he says, well, gather around. Let me tell you the kingdom of God. It's, it's kind of like a farmer with a field and a seed. Like over and over and over again, he's asked very simple questions, but he gives what seems like bizarre answers to those questions. And our passage today is going to seem a little weird. Even as you read or heard Laura uh, speak that passage, it seems so weird at first glance, but Jesus is never flippant in answering questions. He answers them 
perfectly. And this seemingly strange section of scripture has actually like blown me away this week. And so I want to read it one more time. It says, while he, Jesus, was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told them, this is what Jesus replies with, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. All right, so Jesus this time flips it. He asks the question, before the disciples even have time to answer or ask the question. And then without giving them an opportunity to even answer it, he answers the question that he asked them for them. And he answers this question. And it's as big as questions like what is faith or what is the kingdom of God? The question Jesus is answering is, who does Jesus consider to be his family? Like Jesus, who's your family? It's such an important question if you think about it. It's how you and I begin almost every interaction or introduction that we have with a total stranger. Hey, what's up? My name's Aaron. What's your name? Where are you from? Do you have a family? It's like the most natural way of getting to know somebody. So let's think about that scene for a second, right? You've got Jesus teaching his disciples inside of a house and his biological family is outside the house So somebody comes in and says, hey, Jesus, by the way, your family is outside and they want to talk to you. Your family needs you. And in that very moment, Jesus could have easily said, hey, guys, time out. My family needs me. I'm going to step out. I'm going to talk to them. And nobody would have thought anything about that, right? No big deal. Jesus, it's all good. We'll wait here while you go talk to your family. And then when you're done talking to your family, you can come back in here and talk to us. It would have been no big deal at all for Jesus to do that. But in this sacred moment, Jesus chooses to teach a massively important truth. He's gonna speak words to them that will forever change the disciples' perspective on him. And honestly, as we study them right now, it should change our perspective, my perspective on Jesus. This truth that he teaches It tells us what Jesus truly thinks about us. So his disciples back in the day would have been circling him, right? Or at least standing or sitting in a semicircle, just as any disciple would do as they learned from a rabbi. And as he's saying these words, the scripture says, Jesus stretches out his hand. The phrase here in the original language is the literal word, for reaching out. So it's not figuratively, like he stretched out his hands. No, literally, he reached out his hands to the disciples and he said, you are my kinfolk. You are my family. And anybody, anyone who does the will of the Father or chooses to obey me and chooses to follow me and believe in me, that's who I consider my family. You guys standing here, you are my very own brothers. And Jesus isn't doing anything to exclude 
his biological family outside the house, but he's doing something amazing. He's including more people than just his biological family. I have not been able to like shake this this week as I study this and I put myself in that scene. Like do it, put yourself in that scene for a second. Can you, can you imagine being in that room, being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, and seeing Jesus stretch out his hands to you in that moment and say, wait a second, do you, do you think my family is only outside of this room? No, my family is so much bigger than whose house I grew up in. I didn't come to just teach you. I didn't come to just save you. I didn't come to just give your life purpose, even though I did all those things, I also came to be what you never had before, a perfect big brother. He's basically saying, I am the big brother that none of you ever had. And in this moment, I've got to believe that these disciples were completely awestruck. Think about it. They, they knew that Jesus was the King of Kings and the Messiah. They believed that this man was God's son. They believed that he was the savior of the world. So for the savior of the world to pull them close and stretch out his hands and speak a word like you are my family, man, it's exactly like the, the richest king of the richest country in the world finding a peasant and saying, come close. You can have all of me because I am your family. They had to have been awestruck. Man, all throughout the gospel, you see Jesus doing something really similar, stretching out his hand to people. So many times Jesus would stretch out his hand to people. I think of the story of, of Peter walking on the water, right? What happens? Peter steps out in faith, walks on the water, and then starts to doubt. He starts to drown. And what does Jesus do? Jesus stretches out his hand. It was the outstretched hand of rescue. I think of the time that Jesus found a leper that no one else would glance at. No one else had the ability to heal. No one else cared about. But the scripture says that Jesus went to him and stretched out his hand. In that moment, it was the outstretched hand of healing. I mean, ultimately what goes through my mind is that moment where Jesus is on the cross and what does he do? He stretches out his hands and he paid a price, the ultimate price. He paid what it would take to be true that you and me could be called the family of God. It was his outstretched hand of family. And so in this moment, in this little house, in this simple house, Jesus looks at simple disciples and he stretches out his hand and he says, listen, whoever decides to follow me, to do the will of my father, to believe that I am Jesus, whoever that is, it doesn't even matter who it is, whoever it is, I choose, I deliberately choose to call them my own brothers and sisters. It's Jesus's outstretched hands of family. Like, do you understand the power of this moment? 
These disciples understood the power of this moment. Do you understand the power of this moment? This is a huge deal. The reason I know the disciples would have understood the power of this moment is because they knew fully well that they were just lowly fishermen. Like most of the time in the story of the disciples and Jesus, these guys are walking around like scratching their head in confusion. They're doubting, they're failing, they're human. They ask crazy questions. They believe one day and they don't know how to believe the next day. And so when God in the flesh reaches out his hand and looks at you in the eye and says a word like that, they would have been awestruck because Jesus said, oh, you're way more than fishermen. You are way more than disciples. You are my brothers. The word brothers, I was thinking about this this week. Brothers is such an interesting word for Jesus to choose right here. And again, like in the original language of the New Testament, this word brothers, it wasn't like a casual word. It wasn't like saying, hey, guys, it's all good. You're, you're my friends. He wasn't saying you're, you're my bros or, hey, I think of you like a brother, like all of us do to our friends all the time. Hey man, you're like a brother to me. What's up, bro? That's not what Jesus is saying. It's the literal word for blood relative. Jesus looks at these disciples and says, you are my blood relative. See, when a person experiences faith in Christ, the scripture says that they're born again. I don't know if you remember the story of a man named Nicodemus, but Jesus tells this man, hey, the only way that you can be saved, the only way that you can enter the family of God is you have to be born again. We all understand birth, and so Nicodemus would have understood birth. He would have got what Jesus was saying when two babies come from the same womb or have the same father, they are of the same family, right? They carry similar DNA. They inherit personality traits. When a kid's adopted into a family, everything about that person changes. They have a new identity. They have a new name. They have a new history line now. And when you are born into the family of God through faith in Jesus, God instantly becomes your father. The scripture uses this amazing word for father called Abba, which means daddy. Instantly, when you're born into the family of God, God the father becomes your Abba. And the Bible says that you also get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is a guide, a helper. And when you're born into the family of God, you get Jesus, son of God. You go from being a part of no family or bad family or decent family to being a part of an eternally great family. It's one of the greatest gifts that God gives us when we are born again, to be a part of his family, to be known by him, to get to enjoy that sort of family. And in that, man, don't miss this, in that Jesus, Jesus becomes more than just a savior, even though that's amazing. And Jesus becomes more than a good king. Jesus becomes more than the Lord of your life. Jesus becomes your brother. 
So when Jesus drops this bomb to these disciples, it is not small. It is not flippant. He wants his disciples right then and there to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And he wants you to know too that you are more than just a human being walking around the planet trying to figure out what to do next. But you are a brother or a sister of Jesus Christ. Listen, all of us have either an immense value and appreciation for our current family life, right? Because it's healthy and vibrant, or we have resentment and bitterness because we come from a broken family life. Jesus offers something better than both of those extremes. He says, I am the big brother that you've always longed for. And my Abba Father is the best dad that you could ever hope or wish for. I've come to perfect your idea and your history of what a family truly is. Man, there's so many epic stories, right, of siblings, so many. Like I was thinking through all these stories, whether it's movies or books, about sibling, you know, amazing relationships. I think of uh, the story of Katniss in The Hunger Games, right? If you've seen that, you know this well. Her little sister Prim is chosen during the reaping, which is bad. That means that you have to go and you have to go fight all these crazy battles. And Prim is young and she's fragile, totally inexperienced. She doesn't know how to fight. And so what happens? Katniss steps up and she says, I'm going to take the place of my little sister. Why would she do something like that? Because she knew if she didn't take her place, her little sister would die. And she did. And she crushed everything. And the battle was epic. I think of the two brothers in the story, 1917, which is this amazing picture of these two brothers that love each other and will do anything to rescue the other person, even giving your life for them. I think of Jim and Scout and To Kill a Mockingbird. I think of countless stories in like current American history where an older sibling has given his or her life for a younger sibling. There's something epic about great sibling relationships. Um, Maybe you don't have uh, an earthly big brother, or maybe you have a poor example of an earthly big brother. I don't have an earthly big brother, but I find myself as a spiritual big brother to a lot of people in my life. And I know this, there's something really like unique about the role of a big brother. It's different than a dad. It's different than a sister. It's different. And I asked a a few of my friends that do have older brothers, right? Hey, what is the role of a big brother? Like what makes it so cool? What makes it so unique? And here's a couple answers, right, that my friends gave me. And they're all amazing. Number one is this, a good brother is close enough in life stage to understand and empathize with the same perspective. Another friend said, a good brother this one's awesome, is there to fight battles side by side in the moment. It's hands-on protection on the playground. Like if you're in a fight on the playground, you want your big brother to show up, not your dad, right? So true. A good brother is also never ashamed of his younger sibling. They can be disappointed, but never ashamed. A good brother is epic. He will do everything to defend, protect, and empathize in a way that is even different than a good 
father. This is what Jesus is for you as your older brother. Think about this. He understands and empathizes with you because he put on the same flesh that you have and he walked a path like you are walking. He can empathize with you. He can understand you. He says, I get it. I've been there. I understand you. Jesus is the big brother that is thrilled to fight battles for you. He's not scared to protect you or timid to stand up for you. He's willing to roll up on the playground of your life and do whatever it takes to defend you. You have a brother that always has your back. Jesus is the big brother that is never, ever ashamed of you. Like some of you, I think you think that Jesus is always frustrated with you, that he wishes you were further along in your faith, and so he's ashamed to call you brother or sister. But I want you to know that's not how Jesus views you. He counts it a total joy to call you little brother, little sister. He's proud of you. Like Jesus highly esteems you. And you don't have to trust me. These aren't my words. I want to show you in a passage, one of my like favorite and most mind-blowing passages about Jesus is found in Hebrews chapter two. Here's what it says. For the one who sanctifies, that's Jesus, and those who are being sanctified, that's you, all have one father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I, Jesus is saying this, I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. I don't know if when you hear that or you see that on the bottom of the screen, if that hits you like it's hit me, there's some crazy stuff in there. First of all, the same father that Jesus has is the father that you have. Second of all, Jesus is undeniably your brother. Third of all, Jesus is never ever ashamed of you. Fourth of all, which is maybe the most crazy one, is not only is he not ashamed, he is unbelievably proud to call you brother and sister. So proud, in fact, that the scripture just said there's going to be a day where Jesus proclaims your name and Jesus sings a song over you. Like when I was prepping this, I, I asked Halim, because he's smarter than me. I was like, is this saying like what I think it's saying? He's like, it's saying what you think it's saying. There's coming a day where all believers from all of human history will finally see Jesus with their own eyes. I've always pictured heaven, right? I've always pictured heaven as this like massive worship service. And there's the crowd and obviously we're in the crowd and Jesus is on the stage and just for years and thousands of years and billions of years, we're just in the crowd, we're watching Jesus and Jesus is doing his thing and we're doing our thing. But the scripture said there's another kind of thing that happens when we get to heaven. There's a moment where Jesus himself, don't miss this man, Jesus himself will stand and proclaim your name, believer. And he will sing a song over you. Jesus will get up and he'll say, let me tell you about Sarah. Let me tell you about my little sister, Sarah. I am so proud of Sarah. And now I'm gonna sing a song 
over Sarah. As you and I stunned go, what kind of, what kind of God, what kind of big brother would do this because he deserves all the spotlight. I don't know how it will all work, but I do know this and I trust the word. Jesus is so not ashamed of you that he'll actually brag on you in the heavenly places and then sing a song over you in the congregation. That's all the believers that are in heaven. He's not only the best leader, the best king, the best shepherd, the best Messiah, the best friend, the best Lord of your life. He is also the perfect and best and most proud big brother you'll ever find or know. I don't know why, but we rarely talk about Jesus being our older brother. We talk about us being sons and daughters of God, which is true, but we rarely think about Jesus being our brother. Even as I was telling some friends what this sermon's about, they were like, oh, I don't, haven't heard much about that, right? I don't know why, but I also don't know that we understand what the big deal is about that. Like, why is it a big deal that Jesus is our brother? Why do we need to know this? Why was it important enough that Jesus would not go see his biological family because he had one more thing he needed to tell the disciples that he wanted to press into their brains and in their hearts? Why is it a big deal? Listen, embracing this truth today, right now, it will change everything about how you view Jesus. Like you can't not be enamored with the person of Jesus when you think about him as this kind of loving brother. And this will be the fuel to your obedience, the fuel to your faithfulness. The more you love him, the more you're gonna wanna obey him. The more you obey him, the more you are going to want to love him. Man, it's also gonna change how you view people. It's gonna change how you view fellow brothers and sisters of Christ. Your Christian community is so valuable. It's so necessary. You need them. They need you. I can imagine the disciples in the room in that moment, right? Like starting to put two and two together. They're like, so wait a second. You're saying that we are your brothers. So that means we're, we're brothers. Oh, oh, we're not just fellow learners but we are family, we're family. That's exactly what's true about you. It's why all the time we address you and we say, hey church family, hey Austin Stone, we miss you family. We're not just making that up because it sounds cool. It's true, if you're in Christ today, you are my brother, you are my sister. We need each other. And that's the reason that we have small groups that meet all across the city in Austin, whether it's through Zoom right now or it's through gathering together, it's because we can't follow Jesus on our own. We need our spiritual siblings. And as a church, man, I want you to know that we wanna help you. We wanna help you know what it uh, means to belong to God's family. Join a group. Please find brothers and sisters that are pursuing the heart of Jesus and do it with them and find how beautiful it is to be a part of the family of God. Easy step for you, okay? austinstone.org slash connect. 
We as a church staff, we're here to help you. We want more than anything for you to know Jesus and to know him alongside fellow brothers and sisters that are running this race. All right, lastly, and we'll be done. What's the big deal about Jesus being your old brother? It's also a big deal because it changes the way you view yourself. It changes the way you view yourself. You may think you're just an ordinary, unlikely person, hardly able, barely loved by God, but Jesus says something better about you. He claims you and he puts a label on you that says you are his own brother, you are his own sister. And by doing that, that makes you extraordinary. You need to believe that today. I know that you're not perfect, uh, neither am I. But if you're a Christian, if you're doing the will of the Father, believing in Jesus, then here's what's undeniably true. Jesus has pulled you into the semicircle. Jesus has reached his hands out to you. Jesus has locked his eyes with yours. And he has said, I am your brother. So Christian, stop thinking lower of yourself than Christ Jesus thinks of you. Like if, if you are in need today, you have a big brother that can supply all of your needs. If you need wisdom today, go to your big brother who is brilliant and he's called the great teacher. If you're in need of healing today, go to your big brother, Jesus. He's the great physician. He's the best doctor in the world. If you need companionship today, go to your big brother, Jesus, who is a friend to sinners and to saints. If you're in need of forgiveness, go to your big brother, Jesus, who has already forgiven you through the work of the cross. If you are in need of vision for your life, go to your big brother, Jesus, who is thrilled to light up every single step of your path and gently carry you along this path that we call life. And if you find yourself right now today in need of a savior, call out to Jesus. He's listening. He's not hard to find. He is not far off. Call out to him and find him to be the Lord of your life and the big brother of your life. And some of you are thinking right now as you hear this, this sounds too good to be true. Like Aaron, if you knew me and you knew my life choices and where I'm at and what I've done, there's no way that this could be true of me. How would Jesus be willing to be my big brother? And there's a part of that question that's totally right, completely right. Like Jesus didn't just become your big brother. Jesus paid an incredibly huge cost to be able to do that. It cost him greatly. He couldn't just freely stretch out his arms and say, okay, I'm your big brother. But it cost him stretching out his arms in the most costly, sacrificial way on the cross. The cross is the greatest and most costly display of how Jesus became your true and better brother. It was there that he stretched out his arms, truly stretched them out to say to you, you have disobeyed God. You don't deserve the love of God. You have failed. But oh brother, 
oh, my little sister, I am pleased to take the punishment for you. I am pleased to pay a cost that you could never pay on your own so that you don't have to fight those battles anymore. I'm gonna fight them for you because I'm stronger than you and I am good and you get to know my father because of what I'm gonna do for you. That is what your big brother did for you. So church, would you trust him? Would you look to him? Would you lean into him? Would you just trust that he is so for you and never ever ashamed of you? Let me pray that you would believe this and pray that I would believe this. Jesus, I am just um, sometimes still shocked that you would not only call me your brother, but would also be proud to call me brother. I'm thankful that there's nothing that could ever keep you from loving us. There's nothing that could ever change it. No plan, no sin, no, no thing could ever change your affection for us. Help us believe that today and run to you. Jesus is in your name, your amazing, amazing name that I pray. Amen.